Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NASDAQ Dorsey Wright podcast for this Wednesday, January 6th. My name is Ian Saunders, and joining us here as well today is Will Gibson. And Will, we're coming into the first podcast of the new year, first podcast in 2021. I hope all of you listening had um, a, a nice little holiday break last weekend as markets were closed on Friday in celebration of that first day of the new year. Um, nice and relaxed and ready to, to kick off this year on a strong footing. And coming in here, we see that the domestic equity market decided to do the same, um, kicking, off the, kicking off this week um, with a little bit of back and forth movement earlier in the, earlier in the week, but at least at the time of this recording on Wednesday, seeing some pretty significant gains from most of the major domestic equity indices, um, really mainly here looking at a big jump for the Dow. Um, seeing the Dow Jones Industrial Average ticker DJIA on the platform um, posting a gain, at least again at the time of this recording, of it's just south of 2%, kind of fluctuating between that 1.5% and 2% area throughout the day, this afternoon at least. Um, and seeing that reflected on the 250-point chart of the Dow on the platform, I'm going to add a couple more axes there to take us up to yet another new all-time high uh, for this particular uh for this particular index on its point and figure chart, um, bringing the chart all the way up, again, the 250 kind of longer intermediate term chart uh, up all the way to a chart level of 31,000 uh, 31, um, here this afternoon. So seeing that um, continued push higher, again, this chart's kind of taking a little bit of a step back from that main default chart we have on the platform, but um, we're seeing some, some gains on, in other areas as well. Um, interestingly enough, the, the S&P is, is lagging behind the Dow just a little bit. The NASDAQ is, is slightly positive, about flat for the day. And the Russell 2000 uh, small cap space is seeing the most significant outperformance of any of the kind of big headline major indices um, uh, up over 4.5% on the day, at least at the time of this recording. So um, seeing a little bit of that laggard rally kind of continued in trading this afternoon. Uh, we'll definitely continue to keep an eye on to see how that will continue as we head down the new year here, Will. Um, but there are some other areas that we're seeing outside of specifically the equity space that are pushing a bit higher as well. Yeah, Ian, and I think today is important to talk about tenure as well. So we usually talk a lot about the equity space. It's been a really kind of flashy market environment, a lot of dynamic things taking place there. But on the fixed income side, I think today it is worth noting that you're getting a pretty notable move higher and the 10-year yield here breaking above 1%. And starting with just a chart discussion with this move, you're actually getting this to re-enter a positive trend. So it's breaking through if you're watching on YouTube those blue lines, the bearish resistance line, indicating that it's re-entering a positive trend. And this will be the first time in over two years that TNX has been in a positive trend. And also worth noting that this is going to complete a sixth consecutive buy signal for TNX. This is a triple top break. So interesting movement there. And it's also worth mentioning that TNX is, you know, roughly up about nine ba basis points on the day, at least at the time of the recording. And over the past like 14 sessions or so, the daily average true range is about four and a half basis points. So all things considered, this is a pretty large and significant one day move. And Ian, this could reflect some sort of kind of shift in expectation about rates, dollar inflation, those related topics. So that's going to be something that we're going to keep a close eye on. Now, 
that said, we are seeing the individual movement here, but looking a little bit broader, we have seen this start to back off a little bit in our relative strength rankings, back off being fixed income strength, yields moving higher, prices moving lower. And when we look to rank asset classes, maybe using our Dolly tool, which is relative strength price driven, we've noted and seeing fixed income really tail off in those rankings. And again, if you're following on YouTube here, if you're here or if you're just listening, uh, fixed income has really backed off in the number, number of buy signals that it's gained. It was previously in the top three and asset classes now it sits fourth behind domestic, international, and commodities. So you're seeing your more risk on asset classes pick up price strength. And then, like I said before, that price side of of the fixed income market has pretty notably tailed off, Ian. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that um, that kind of conjunction that you mentioned there, looking at the the, continue, the continued push higher, you said six consecutive buy signals on that that ten year uh, Treasury yield index ticker TNX on the platform. Um, it really kind of started right right there in, in, in late August or early September, and right around the same time that we saw the fixed income asset class and Dolly really begin to to, to, to decline significantly from a buy signal perspective. Um, at the end of July, fixed income was ranked number one out of the six asset classes in the Dolly tool with 232 buy signals. Um, began to lose some, lost about nine signals in the month of August and started off um, and, and lost a, a few more there in uh, September, bringing it down to a count of 230 as we entered the fourth quarter, the final quarter of 2020. Um, and then it really began to fall out of bed from a buy signal perspective. We saw fixed income move all the way to a, to a recent low um, at the trading yesterday of only 151 buy signals. So falling all the way down to a rank of fourth out of, out of the six broad asset classes. And some other areas, as we've seen that asset class continue to decline along with cash from a relative strength perspective, some other areas have, um, have certainly picked up the pace pretty significantly. Domestic equities, obviously, as we've touched on pretty significantly over the podcast and media content and research over the course of the past few weeks, sitting there in that number one spot um, and continuing to pick up buy signals in the fourth quarter. Uh, it moved into that number one position ahead of fixed income there at um, there, there earlier this year in the summer, um, but we came into the fourth quarter at a buy signal tally of 252, um, brought us to a more recent buy signal tally of 329 buy signals, so significantly ahead of any of the other asset classes, solid, solidly there in that first place position from a relative strength perspective and out of the, the six broad asset classes that we examined. Um, we other areas that the more kind of risk on trade, as you mentioned there, well, international equities has picked up the most. There it did pick up the most buy signals out of any of the six asset classes in the fourth quarter of 2020, moving from a count of 112 in September to a count at the end of December of 238. Picked up a few more over the past few days, um, but that 126 signal gain, more than doubling its own buy signal count. Um, over the course of the last three months of the year is certainly very significant. Um, and we've seen some of that movement reflected in taking a look at some of the, the, the top performing um, ETS as we look back on the performance for the fourth quarter of 2020 and also on the, on the year as a whole. 
um, as we do at the end of each quarter, we have a, a top and bottom ETF performer kind of run through that'll be coming out in the daily equity report today. For those of you who are subscribers to the research platform, we'll have some in-depth discussion on, on each of the respective areas as we typically do most quarters. But we did want to touch on a few of those areas today on the back of some of these moves that we're seeing across the broader market. Um, and starting off, we'll, we'll take a look at the all ETF performance summary. So this is looking at just looking out at each of the kind of broad asset classes in the market, taking um, a multitude of fund representatives from, from each of those, really just kind of whittling down the list of ETFs we have on the NASDAQ Dorset Rate platform by liquidity, and then taking out the kind of leveraged and inverse funds as well, um, gets us down to, to a, a workable list to run some performance rankings on. See what, what areas were the, the, the top 10 performing funds for the fourth quarter, what areas were the top 10 performing funds for the year, um, and then which areas underperformed, which are those areas that, that were the kind of the, the, the worst performing funds on the fourth quarter in the year. Um, and in looking at the all ETF performance summary there first, taking a look at each of those asset classes, we see that, I mean, a, a bulk of equity names making up the top of that list. And unsurprisingly for the fourth quarter, um, we see that the clean energy actually Interestingly enough, was a clean energy fund there, ticker PBW, outperformance fund over the course of the last three months of the year, up over 70%. Um, we also see some interesting names, some, some of the more laggard areas in the market, um, regional banking, bank funds, Latin America, um, so, so showing a pretty significant gain over the last three months of the year there as well, as well as oil and gas exploration and production. Um, and so definitely some, some, some of the laggard rally that we saw over the final three months of the year there, we see reflected in the performance breakdown as well. So not only looking at it from an relative strength perspective, but seeing that in the performance as well. Um, looking at the full year as a whole, though, um, seeing a lot of the, the cloud computing, kind of online retail, um, more internet-focused funds were some of the top performers that we saw on the year. Um, we also see that, that the social responsibility or kind of ESG space um, did pretty well also with the Invesco Solar ETF ticker TAN, um, being the top performance fund over the course of all of 2020, up over 230%. So um, pretty significant gain there for the clean energy space, as we see reflected there from, from that area as well. Um, the, on the bottom end of the performance breakdown um, for the fourth quarter, we see, as we saw with, with the fixed income space, continue to climb from a buy signal perspective. We also saw that um, many of the fixed, many of the bottom tier of those names, the bottom 10 performance names for the fourth quarter were fixed income funds um, with, with multiple different kinds of fixed income oriented areas um, showing underperformance, everything from treasury, short, intermediate, and long term um, to mortgage backed bonds as well. Um, gold miners also were, were some of the, the, the worst areas over the last three months of the year with, with two funds making it into that list as um, the, the worst performing areas over the last three months of the year. So um, kind of, we, we, it's interesting to see, Will, some of these areas that we see reflected in the different ranking breakdowns that we talk about at, at length um, over the course of the past few weeks, we see reflected in some of these top and bottom performing areas here too. Yeah, Ian, that's right. And even going to talk just purely about domestic markets, a lot of the names that you mentioned in the all ETF kind of around around the clock, if you will, um, are also going to show up in or themes at least are going to show up on the domestic side. So as of late, so maybe just talking last quarter, similar themes being there's been a preference for smaller size where you've had small caps, mid caps begin to outperform as you see a lot of those names. 
and the best performing for the quarter. No, this is much different than the bulk of 2020, which was concentrated in a lot of large and mega cap plays. And you actually saw that we had a lot of dispersion in 2020. Momentum was actually the best performing factor again, which highlights and thrives on high dispersion and those trends. So it really latched onto the large areas of the market for a while. And again, as of late, we have seen this change a little bit preference towards smaller size, but given the recency of the change, if you look on a broader, you know, on the year 2020 basis, it's still the mega cap names and the growth side of the market that posted the highest returns. So think QQQ, that was our best performing kind of broad domestic equity market ETF up almost 50%. And then you have, you did have a mid growth coming in there. And then apart from that, it was mega cap growth, uh, top 1000 growth and so on. Now to the downside, meaning on the year you saw large caps outperform as of late, you've seen a smaller preference. Now to the downside, domestic names that just really didn't hold up well. Low vol was a space that really just couldn't keep pace with the market this year. Uh, one of the worst performing groups. Also dividend, meaning yield payers also did not do well on the yield. Uh, dividend was a second worst performing factor just above value on the year. So perhaps some overlap there as well in terms of kind of bottom performers. And then you also will note a few strategies that are going to be like maybe quality or something else. But by and large, Ian, it was it was predominantly the growth story for most of the year on a quarter. You know, as of late, it's shift, shifted downsides, shifted style a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see on the domestic front what's the story for 2021. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I mean, as we said, that kind of continued theme, I feel like we find ourselves continuing to touch on it on, on these podcasts has been the kind of recent laggard rally. Right? And that, that laggard rally isn't something that's just just that has been seen in domestic markets. It's something we also saw in international markets and, and the performance top top and bottom 10 rankings for the international equity ETF space also displayed that as well. Um, looking at the course of the year as a whole, um, some of the worst performing areas being Brazil, being Greece, um, being broader Latin America, were actually some of the best performers in the fourth quarter um, with Latin America, Brazil, Brazilian small cap, um, and then Greece all, all showing kind of significant improvement um, from a straight absolute performance standpoint and pretty significant gains, which each of those areas up over 25% over the last three months of the year. Um, interestingly enough, all of the ETFs that we looked at in the international equity ETF performance breakdown, um, which at, was over 230 funds that, that we looked at in this ranking, um, all of them were positive for the last three months of the year. So the, when we talk about breadth uh, that we see going on in the, in the domestic market, seeing a lot of breadth in the international equity space as well. So even in looking at some of the areas that did underperform over the last three months as being some of the areas that have seen some strength, broad China was one of the areas that technically underperformed, still up 9% over the past three months, over, over the last three months of 2020. So um, definitely be an interesting place to kind of keep an eye on there to see if this kind of breadth is something that's going to be sustained. We see these these uh, laggard areas continue to show improvement um, as we've seen reflected in the, the buy signal gains and stuff like the Dolly Tool um, or, or stuff that was really kind of the, the best performers over the course of 2020, um, mainly China. We see eight out of the top 10 performing funds over 2020 as a whole have some China exposure in them, whether they're China focused, 
whether they're emerging markets or whether they're um, looking there at a, um, at a kind of a, a broader Asia space. Um, eight out of those top 10 funds has some exposure to China over the course of 2020. So definitely be an interesting place to keep an eye on there as we've seen some declining relative strength from China recently. Uh, but nonetheless, the, the performance of those funds over the course of last year um, was certainly noteworthy and, and definitely something that we'll continue to keep an eye on there. Yeah, definitely, Ian. And I think you hit on a key word is just breadth, just all over the place, um, domestic, internationally, even on the commodities front, which we'll just park here for a second on. That's That's been a story this year. Um, headlines about oil, about gold, about silver, about copper. Um, those have been those have been coming through. But as of late, Ian, I think a similar word would be breadth there, meaning that if you look at like last quarter of performance in the commodity space, you're going to see more of a spread. You're going to see some ag- agricultural space, your energy space. You're still going to have some platinum in there base metals as well. So a much more maybe diversified, if you will, lineup of of strong performing areas in the commodities group. Now, I do want to jump maybe prematurely now. If you look at the year, though, you're going to see a lot of precious metals, given that gold, silver went on a tear really in the summer months, maybe during some heightened inflation concerns amongst others. But point being is that there's definitely a difference between if you look at the best performing commodity funds on the year, like you said, you're, you're, you're going to see a lot of metals. And then if you look at the worst performing commodity funds or spaces on the year, you're going to see a lot of oil and gas, energy related-esque type places, um, namely due to the just precipitous decline that they experience still very much climbing out of the hole there, whereas the rest of the market um, didn't dip nearly as low, at least in the commodity space, um, to compensate for that. Also, things in the commodities group that we wanted to mention, you're seeing, for example, like a soybean fund was actually the best performer last quarter, up all, almost 23%. Uh, previously in the year, you saw some surges in corn and lumber, um, namely due to supply shortages related to many macro events that took place last year. So Ian, it was it was a pretty tumultuous ride, um, whether you were a broad asset allocator, you had macro changes, domestic, international fixed income, and then within all of those sub-asset classes or macro-asset classes still, you had a lot of jockeying for position where commodities, again, I I just talked about the changes we saw there over the year. And then internationally talked about as of late, kind of that breadth coming on. And same with the domestic group. It was a very narrow market for a lot of the year. That has all also widened. Your your leaders really still aren't doing bad, I would add. Um, but it's just some of those laggers or areas that were not keeping up earlier in 2020 have, have certainly come on strong there. Um, and then one last thing I did want to mention about commodities is that a few things to keep note of going forward here. I would keep note of that precious metal space. I said again, they were best performing on the year, but they've cooled off notably after that. Um, So should relative concerns come up again regarding economy, inflation, dollar, things like that, I think that's going to be a group to keep an eye on. 
And then apart from that, I think you're going to want to watch the reopening trades, if you will, maybe related to oil and then some of the base metals group for um, some signs of continued economic recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's going to be no shortage of stuff to to watch in in 2021, as uh, as there was no shortage of movement that we saw in 2020. Um, just like you said, we saw a lot of kind of um, rotation underneath the hood from an asset class perspective. The sell off in March, the subsequent kind of V-shaped recovery that led us back to all time highs that we continue to kind of climb higher. Um, will certainly be be a lot to continue to monitor um, and a lot to continue to touch on. One final point I did want to bring um, people's attention to um, before we did jump for the day here um, was we have at the end of we have at the the end uh, end of each year over the course of the kind of holiday season we have an article series that we come out with called the 12 Days of Christmas series. Um, so just something we have named it that each year with features. 11 articles covering a specific aspect of the platform or something we want to kind of highlight or bring to your attention and the final article being being a wrap up. Um, so this year's 12 days of Christmas series focused around the concept of enhancing your process with scalable customization in 2021. Uh, the first few articles kind of featured a, a fair amount of in-depth kind of methodology breakdown of some of the different relative strength and, and scoring methodologies that we have on the platform. Uh, we then touched on some models that, that we had uh, available on the platform of the, the, the middle articles there. And then we wrapped up the piece covering the new um, the new model builder tool that we have available on the platform. So those of you that those of you listening that are subscribers to the platform that do read the report, definitely be sure to, to circle back to the article from this past Monday, which was the final day of the series. Um, it, it's that review piece has each of the prior articles in there. Um, if you want to kind of take a look at those as a reference point, um, or just kind of read through with the summaries and 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 see, see what we were talking about there um, with each of those respective areas. So. Um, with that, Will, I think we, we, we touched on uh, most of what we were looking to cover here today. Yep, Ian, I would conclude the same. So all things said, thank you for listening or watching, and we hope to speak to you soon.